In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from 1st Timothy, chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings, and contradictions of what is falsely called the knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Also from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. In these two references, there is a word or a commandment, advice, instruction by St. Paul to St. Timothy which is guard that which was committed to your trust. Guard that which was committed to your trust. بالعربي احفظ الوديعة الوديعة like when you do CD in the bank. بالعربي بنسميها وديعة. So, as if God deposited something into our trust. And our responsibility, especially as Sunday school servant, we need to guard it. We need to keep it. We need to protect it. We need to defend it. So, what I like to discuss today, what is this deposit that was put in our trust. What is this deposit that God entrusted us with? The number one. Number two, what are the challenges? That's why we need to guard it. What are the challenges that we are facing that we need to, to uh, guard it. Number three, if we don't guard it, if we become negligent, what are the risks? What are the uh, dangers? Number four, what is our responsibility as Sunday school servant? Number five, how to guard it? St. Paul asked Timothy, guard that which was Put in your trust how to guard it. And the last point, the seal. And I will explain what the seal means. So these are the six points I like to discuss in our lecture today. Number one, what is the deposit that St. Paul asking Timothy to guard? And all of us we have the responsibility to guard it, especially as clergy and as Sunday school servant. 
there is something on a personal level and something on the church level. On the personal level, the grace of the Holy Spirit and my faith. So we receive the grace of the Holy Spirit. We need to guard it. And the faith that I received in the church from our fathers, I need to guard it. To guard the grace of the Holy Spirit, which means to guard your spiritual life and also to guard the faith. As a church, we need to guard our faith, our heritage, and our spirituality. Our faith to defend the doctrine and the sound teaching. Our spirituality, as I said in the sermon this morning, some people are scholars, theologians, but no spirituality. So how to guard the spirituality that passed down to us from our fathers? And number three, our heritage. As Coptic Christian, we need to keep our heritage. So that is what St. Paul meant by the deposit. The deposit on personal level, the grace of the Holy Spirit and my faith. On the church level, our faith, our spirituality, and our heritage. What are the challenges? The challenges, I will mention them exactly like what St. Paul said. The first challenge, we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. St. Paul says, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. So the first challenge is the profane and idle babblings. You read again the same words in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. St. Paul says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings. So he repeated this twice. And he repeated it in the context of instructing Timothy to guard the deposit. He told him, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings. In 2 Timothy, he told him, shun the profane and idle babblings. So what is the profane and idle babblings? Profane means something unclean, banish. Something actually offend the God. That's a profane. And idle babblings, babblings means nonsense. That's babbling. Uh, so, in practical terms, what is the profane and idle babblings? Like defending homosexuality. Homosexuality is profane to God. God created male and female, Adam and Eve. And through this, 
creation. He gave us the blessing and the honor to participate him in procreation through reproduction. So to invent and to defend homosexuality, this is profane and idle babblings. Why idle babblings? What's nonsense? Because neither the anatomy nor the physiology nor the endocrinology of the body support homosexuality. Nothing. Another thing actually is the differentiation between gender and sex. In our contemporary times, they say there are many genders. I think they counted up to 70 or something like this. 70 different genders. And they differentiate between gender and sex. Even in a very respectful airlines, when you book a ticket, they will, in the gender, they will ask you male, female, unspecified, undisclosed. When you think about unspecified and undisclosed, what does really mean? What does really mean? In aeroplane, somebody sitting next to me, unspecified, undisclosed, what does this mean? How can I deal with a person unspecified or undisclosed? That's exactly babblings. That's exactly what St. Paul said, profane and idle babblings. In the same way, uh, transgenderism. So to say I am a female, although everything in my body, psychology, physiology, anatomy, endocrinology, says I am a male, that's again profane and idle babblings, etc. And I can go on and on and on. But in our time, there are many profane and idle babblings. And we as Christian, we as clergy, we as Sunday school servant, we need to shun, to avoid the profane and idle babblings. If we want to guard what which was committed to our trust, we need to shun and avoid the profane and idle babblings. Number two, what are the challenges? The second challenge, we find it in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. The same verse. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. What is falsely called knowledge. And again, not every knowledge is true knowledge. There are many false knowledge in our time that actually people accept it as true knowledge. For example, evolution. Evolution, people speak about it as knowledge. But in reality, it is false knowledge. Because evolution denies the existence of God. And if you ask anybody a very simple question, if you ask any evolutionists, a very simple question, 
what is the source of life? Nobody can answer this question. Because if they answer it, they have to confess God. Unfortunately, this knowledge is spreading and people defend it. And that's why there is contradictions between what we are taught in the scripture, the truth that's revealed in the scripture, and this knowledge. Why there is contradiction? Because as St. Paul clearly and cleverly described it, falsely called the knowledge, and contradictions of what is falsely called the knowledge. So, when there is contradiction between the truth in the scripture and the knowledge, this knowledge is false, is not true. Many people today try to defend, uh, for example, drugs, and they publish papers, and they call it academic papers about the benefits of marijuana in order to legalize it. And some people actually will bring you research paper from respectable uh, universities supporting the benefits of marijuana. But again, this is what we call, St. Paul called, the falsely called knowledge. The falsely called knowledge. So, we need actually to guard our faith, our spirituality, our heritage from the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And we need to stick and to defend the truth that is revealed to us in the scripture. The third challenge we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14. St. Paul says, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the heroes. So, now also, people are striving about words to no profit. For example, people who deny that the Eucharist is a real body and real blood. We know for 1600 years, we received this holy tradition. For 1600 years, East and West, everyone believed that the Eucharist is communion of true body and true blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then when somebody comes in the 16th century and say, no, the Bible says, do this in remembrance of me. And they start to argue about the word remembrance. And he, to say remembrance doesn't mean it is real body and real blood. And to make a strife and a split and division, that's what St. Paul said, strive 
about words to no profit, rather to the ruin of the hearers. As if for 1600 years, nobody understood the word remembrance. And by the way, the Greek word remembrance means to relive the event, to relive the instance. If you think about the different denominations, we are using the same text, the same scripture. But what is the problem? It's striving about words to no profit. As I said in the morning in, in the sermon, some people, when they read the scripture, they want to prove, to prove an idea in their mind. I want to prove that the Eucharist is not the real body and not the real blood. Then I'll try to search for words that can help me to prove my idea. And I disregard holy tradition for 1600 years. I disregard early church fathers who lived very close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew exactly what the Lord meant by do this in remembrance of me. I disregard all of this to prove my theory, to prove my uh, knowledge. So these are the three challenges that St. Paul mentioned. Profane and idle babblings, contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, striving about words to no profit. These are the three main challenges that we are facing until right now. What are the dangers? If we don't guard our faith, our spirituality, our heritage from these challenges, what will happen? Again, St. Paul mentioned four risks. The first risk in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 21. He said, by professing it, it refers to what? To the profane and idle babblings and to the contradictions of what is falsely called the knowledge. So by professing it, by professing the profane and idle babbling when I support it, or the falsely called the knowledge, what will happen? Some have strayed concerning the faith. So, some have straight concerning the faith, they deny their faith. That's why atheism is growing. People who deny God are growing. It takes many forms. Atheism, agnosticism, agnostic means I don't know. Gnosis means knowledge. So, ah, means no knowledge. So you ask them, does God exist? I don't know. Yes, could be. No, could be. No. That is agnostics. Why the number of atheism is growing? Why number of agnostics are growing? Because people professed and start to believe in false and idle babblings, in profane and idle babblings, and in what is falsely called knowledge. That's the first risk. 
So if we don't guard what, what, what which was committed to our trust, actually our children, more and more, they will stray concerning faith. The second risk, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16, when he told him, shun profane and idle babblings. Why? He continued, the risk is, for they will increase to more ungodliness. They will increase, they will not stop. The sexual revolution started in the mid-70s. I want you to compare in mid-70s how people perceived sexuality and how they perceive it right now. And you can see how it increased to more ungodliness. And it will continue to increase to more ungodliness. I was visiting family and the child told me in his school there is a friend who has three dads. Three dads. So if we don't guard what which committed to our trust, the profanity will increase to more ungodliness. And sexual immorality is a very, very clear indication to what St. Paul said, they will increase to more ungodliness. That's why we need to fight the good fight to guard that which was committed to our trust. The third risk, we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Same chapter, verse 14. When he told them, charge them before the Lord not to strive about words. Why? He said, to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. To the ruin of the hearers. See, how many people now, for example, their eternal salvation at high risk because they don't believe in the Eucharist. The Lord said it, said it very clearly in John chapter 6, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no eternal life abiding in you. That's very clear. Unless is a condition. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no eternal life. When people start to believe it is just a memory, it's not real body and real blood, then their salvation is ruined. As St. Paul said, to the ruin of the hearers. So if we don't guard the deposit, many people, their eternal life will be ruined. That's why we need to fight the good fight and to guard that which was committed to our trust. And the last risk, also in Second chapter 2, but verse 17, St. Paul said, and their message will spread like cancer. And when he said like cancer, 
in two ways. Cancer is spread quickly and also cancer kills the person. So when St. Paul said their message is spread like cancer, he means that many people will believe in this profane theology and also they will be killed, they will be destroyed because they believe in this profanity. So if we don't guard the uh, deposit, the, the message of the false cult knowledge, the profane and idle babblings, uh, the striving about words, this message is spread like cancer. And I want you to see, for example, the statistics regard homosexuals, for example, among the Coptic Christian nowadays and 10 years ago. The percentage of atheists among the Copts nowadays and 10 years ago. And you can see how what St. Paul said clearly, their message spread like cancer. So it's our responsibility to guard that which was committed to our trust. Otherwise, the four risks, some have strayed concerning the faith, increase to more ungodliness, ruin the hearers, and their message is spread like cancer. So, why aren't the school servants? What's our responsibility here? You know, the torch bearer is the one who carries the torch in the forefront of a campaign or carry the torch in the forefront of a movement. We, the clergy and Sunday school servants, are the torch bearers. Our father, the apostles, carried the torch of faith and they passed it down from generation to generation till it reached our generation. You as Sunday school servants are the next generation to whom the torch will be passed. And you need to be ready and prepared to receive the torch, to guard it, and to pass it on to the following generation. So the following generation can pass it to the following generation, and so on. It is a shame that the faith is kept until the 21st century and then it's lost in our time. As our fathers shed their blood to keep the faith, to keep the spirituality, to keep the heritage, through all these years, they shed their blood, they suffered, they were tortured. It's our responsibility to pass on the torch to the next generation and the following generation, and so on. The same chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, St. Paul said, And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. St. Paul learned from Christ. St. Paul taught Timothy. 
And he said to Timothy, what you heard from me, teach it, commit it to other faithful men who will be able actually to teach others. Now you as Sunday school servants, we commit to your trust our faith, our spirituality, our heritage, so that you teach it to faithful students who will grow and become Sunday school servants and teach another generation and so on. So your responsibility is great. It's not something trivial. We put into your trust, we commit to your trust, the spirituality, the heritage, the faith of the church to teach it and to pass it on to faithful people who will pass it on to the following generation. Then, how to guard the deposit? How to guard the deposit? As I told you, there is personal deposit and there is deposit on the level of the church. You received something on your level as a person, as individual, and as a church, we received. As individual, we receive the grace of the Holy Spirit and also the faith and our spirituality. But at the level of the church, we receive spirituality, heritage, and faith. So for personal deposit, the best way is to commit it back to God. What do you mean commit back to God? In your prayer, say to the Lord, you put into my trust, you commit to my trust is the grace of the Holy Spirit and faith. I cannot guard it by myself. Without your grace, without your help, without your support, without your power, I cannot guard that which was committed to me. St. Paul in 2 Timothy, the same letter, chapter 1 and verse 12, he said, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he, God, is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, that day, the day of his second coming. So St. Paul is saying, what I received, I committed back to God. Because it is only God who can keep it to that day. So what we receive in prayer, we commit it back to God and tell him, without you, I cannot do it. Without your grace, without your support, I cannot guard the faith. Because guarding the faith can make you exposed to suffering, to torture, to persecution, to martyrdom. So we need the grace of God. And the Lord told us, don't worry about what you're going to answer. Because in that very time, in that very moment, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you are going to say. It was the grace of God that helped St. Athanasius. It was the grace of God that helped St. Cyril. It was the grace of God that helped St. Dioscorus. 
It is the grace of God that helped all these great fathers to guard the faith against the heretics. In the same way, it is the grace of God that will help us to guard the spirituality, the faith, and the heritage. Number two, how to guard that which was committed to our trust. Number one, committed back to God. Ask the grace of God to help you. Number two, as St. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent. Be watchful to present yourself approved to God, not to men. Don't try to please people. Don't try to be politically correct just to please people. So they will say about you, you are enlightened. You are not old-fashioned. You are not prejudiced. Some people try to please people. That's why they try to use politically correct word just to please the people. When they are asked about homosexuality, transgenderism, original sin, penal substitution, they try to use politically correct words in order to be labeled as enlightened people. No. St. Paul said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. You are accountable to God, not to people. Say the truth and defend the truth. John the Baptist did not try to be politically correct to the king. He was very clear. It is unlawful for you to marry your brother's wife. He shed his blood. Many people right now try to be politically correct when they speak about divorce, when they speak about abortion, when they speak about homosexuality. No. The truth is revealed in the scripture. And we need to be defendant, guarding the truth. And to do this with diligence, with watchfulness, with zeal, with commitment, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Number three, St. Paul said to Timothy also, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. If you want not to be ashamed by God in the last day, don't be ashamed of the word of God here on earth. If you are ashamed to say the truth here on earth, you will be ashamed in the last day. If you want just to be politically correct and to justify abortion, to justify divorce, to justify homosexuality, to justify transgenderism, because you are ashamed of defending the truth, God will be ashamed of you in the last day. That's why St. Paul said to Timothy, be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Be faithful, be wise in your stewardship and in your responsibility. Yes, people will not like you. People will attack you. People will not listen to you. But don't worry about this. Don't be ashamed of the word of God. St. Paul 
when he spoke about the acceptance of the Gentiles, the Jews actually persecuted him. They wanted to kill him. They made many conspiracy to get rid of him. But St. Paul was not ashamed to declare himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. And he defended this truth. When Peter and Barnabas were ashamed to defend this truth, St. Paul confronted them. St. Paul confronted Peter and Barnabas. And he told them, why you live secretly as a Gentile, but publicly as a Jew? Why? You are hypocrites. And you teach other people to be hypocrites like you. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Number four. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Dividing means explaining it and living it. So not only to rightly understand the word of truth, but to rightly apply the word of truth to myself and to others. That's how I guard. When I apply it to myself, I will keep the spirituality. And when I apply it to others, I will keep the heritage. That's why he told him, rightly divide the word of truth. Dividing, in Arabic, there's always a ولا مفصلا كلمة الحق باستقامة إنما قالوا النطق السليم بتاعها مفصلا وقالوا المعنى بتاع الكلمة أساسا عارف زي الدرزي اللي بيفصل فهو بيقطع قطع القماش ديا بس بمهارة علشان يفصل application is like تفصيل when you apply the word of God, how to apply it to our life. Nas the gospel was written 2,000 years, cannot apply it right now to our life. The feminist movement and when they speak about priesthood of women and the purity of women, etc., they actually attack the scripture and they want actually to change the scripture in order to fit their philosophy and their ideology. But the word of God can be applied to every century, to every generation, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't actually change the word of truth to fit the philosophy of the people, but apply the word of truth to their life in a proper way, in the right way. Number five, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, and 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, he said, shun and avoid profane and idle babblings. Don't waste your time in reading and in discussing such issues. 
Some of our youth, unfortunately, they read these things, the falsely called knowledge before they read the scripture. That's why they are confused. St. Paul said, no, shun and avoid profane and idle babblings. Don't get into this uh, nonsense discussions. I like what Philip did with Nathaniel. Nathaniel tried to open a discussion with Philip when he asked him, do you think from Nazareth something good come out? <coughs> Philip did not, get, go, did not go into this discussion. He told him two words, come and see. Come and see. Sometimes all what we need to say to others, come and see. Come and taste how sweet the Lord is. We need to put him with the Lord. When actually he experienced the Lord in his life, when he touched and, and taste the Lord in his life, he will not actually discuss with you whether the Lord exists or does not exist. So come and see. Profane, uh, shun and avoid profane and idle babblings. Number six. In Second Timothy chapter one, verse thirteen, hold the fast the pattern of sound doctrine, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. There is holy tradition for two thousand years, and this tradition that we have it right now matches what the church had when the church was one, not divided, in the East and in the West. During that time, everybody believed in baptism, believed in Eucharist, believed in priesthood, everyone. So, if somebody comes with a new idea in the 16th century, 20th century, 21st century, don't just dismiss what you learned and what you heard. As St. Paul said, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love. Unfortunately, I read a new book with new theology, with new idea, and I dismiss all what I learned and confirm it for 2,000 years because somebody proposed a new idea. We learn it in the scripture when we pray, we say, God have mercy upon me, a sinner. And these words by the Lord Jesus Christ. And church father and desert father, they prayed Jesus' prayer. My Lord Jesus Christ have mercy upon me, a sinner. And you find it in the liturgical text, like Psalm of the book. Don't just accept a new idea because somebody right now tell you, don't say I'm sinner in the presence of God. How can I dismiss what's written in the scripture, what's written in 2,000 years in, by early fathers, monastic fathers, and just I buy this new idea? No. 
hold fast the pattern of sound doctrine which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And the last point, St. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, the good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit which dwell in us. Again, you cannot keep, you cannot guard the faith, the spirituality, the heritage, except with the Holy Spirit. He said it clearly, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's why we need to uh, kindle the Holy Spirit in us. We don't, we should not quench the Holy Spirit. We should not grieve the Holy Spirit. We should not resist the Holy Spirit in us. We need to have the Holy Spirit in us kindled. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without being filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot guard that which was committed to our trust. The last point in our lecture is the seal. The seal. What do I mean by the seal? In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, St. Paul said, verse 19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, what does this mean? If there is two documents and the two documents are contradicting each other and you don't know which document is authentic and the other is false. If there is one document is sealed, then the one that is sealed, then that is the right document. Right? That is what the seal. That's why when you make a signature, you notarize it. Notary means a seal. To, make, to say any document other than this is false. That is the true document. So St. Paul spoke about the foundation of the solid foundation of God. He said this solid foundation, solid foundation means the true faith, the true spirituality, the heritage, has this seal. What is the seal? The seal has two points. Number one, the Lord knows those who are his. Number two, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, to know the sound doctrine, search for the seal. Search for the, the, the seal. The first element of the seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Which means, you can not deceive God by false beliefs. God knows who are his. Try to justify abortion. Try to justify divorce. Try to justify homosexuality. Etc., etc. You can deceive people. 
but the Lord knows those who are his. And when I have the Holy Spirit, that's why he told him, guard, keep the trust by the Holy Spirit who is in you. When I have the Holy Spirit in me, I will be able to differentiate between the false teachers and the true teachers, the false prophets and the true prophets. To be able to know the teachers who are his and to stay away from the false teachers. The second element of the seal, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If, if I'm telling you I'm a theologian, but I, I don't live the life of repentance, then don't believe me. You cannot deceive God and others if you are living unrepentant life. When he says depart from iniquity, doesn't mean sinless. All of us who are sinners. But difference between a person who living the life of repentance and a person who live in sin or abide in sin. So by the Holy Spirit, I will be able to distinguish between those are true teacher, true apostle, true messengers by God and the false ones. And also, by their fruit, you know them as the Lord said. By their fruit, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, live life of repentance. We are in a time that our faith, our heritage, our spirituality facing many, many challenges. But we should not worry, because the Lord promised, I will build my church on this rock, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. But we, as Sunday school servants, we have a responsibility to guard that which was deposited in our trust. It is your responsibility to pass our faith, our spirituality, our heritage from generation to generation. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.